and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast with another episode of the Premier League show. As always, please uh, give us a like, subscribe um, and uh, continue to, to follow our, us on our social media as well. Uh, we've got a full lineup tonight, starting with Jamie. How are you, Jamie? Help if I wasn't on mic, wasn't it? But I'm all good, Mason. Thanks very much. Top man. Next up, we've got Johnny. Are you, Johnny? Oh, dear. I'm good, mate. Hi, Graham. Hi, Mason. Hi, Jamie and everybody listening. Good to be back. I thought Johnny followed it up with also being on mute then. I was say, it's been a good start, <laughs> but, but he was on the wall there. And lastly, we've got Graham. Uh, Graham, good to be back, mate. All right, Mason. How you doing? Good to be on. Top man, top man. Jamie, let's get right into it then. I feel like I say the same every week and say there's so much to talk about, but there, there is, there, there's loads again this weekend. But I want to start off with the, the early kickoff this week. Um, Spurs going to Luton. Um, I think everyone, uh, everyone would have had Spurs getting three points here. Um, and I think everyone would have had, you know, speak to everyone about the Fantasy League as well. Son and Madison, a lot of wild cards getting played together. So, the expense, uh, you know, everyone was expecting them to go and get an easy win, but it weren't quite like that. Um, what did you make of the early game Saturday? I, I'll be honest, I was pretty disappointed with Spurs. Um, I thought they should have been, you know, three or four up at half time, the chances they missed, but obviously a silly sending off from Basuma made it, you know, a lot more interesting. I think, I think it's. It's hard not to get carried away with what Spurs have done so far this season. And what I mean is, you know, they're still undefeated. They've pulled off big wins. They got, rightly or wrongly, they got a win against Liverpool. They've beaten Man United. You know, they, they've, they've kind of got some good wins under the bag. And, and the unity, which I think is their biggest strength at the moment, that has obviously come from the manager, is obvious for everybody to see. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I'm I shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised on how they struggled. But when you look back and they, they they struggled against Sheffield United as well, if you remember, um, I think they won that one. They scored two goals in the last ten minutes or whatever of injury time to kind of get over that line. Um, they needed a ninety-six minute own goal from Liverpool to to kind of get past them. I'm not getting carried away with the, the, the same as a lot of the pundits are about Tottenham. I just think they've got a really good unity about them. And I think that's what got them over the line on Saturday because for a long period of that time, they looked as though they were going to come away with a nil-nil draw. Um, and quite arguably one of the most stupidest red cards you'll probably see this season from a player that probably doesn't have a track record for something like that. But I mean, he's he's a, he's a walking yellow card every day of the week. Johnny will tell you that from a from a you know from when you're looking at what bookings you're going to have a look at at the weekend. Basuma's is always golden for that. But to then go and dive him, I think it was like 34th minute or something. I'm actually quite. I'm going to praise the referee and say that he, he did well to stamp that out and kind of um, you know do something about that. But it did kill the game to an extent, and I think Tottenham struggled. But again, you make your own luck. You get away with these. People talk about the three points. They don't talk about how you did it. Um, I just not convinced they can keep it up for the remainder of the season. Um, but yes, um, still a great strong start for them. Definitely sitting top of the table, uh, Johnny. I think the biggest compliment we can pay Spurs at the minute is, um, you know, this is a game last season they they definitely wouldn't have won. And Jamie spoke about earlier, you know, the Sheffield United last minute winner, the last minute winner against nine man Liverpool, but. They're finding a way uh, early on under under a new manager. I think you know that's obviously only good signs. I think the performances are going to come as well. 
Yeah, I mean, they are, they are vastly improved, mate. Um, we've seen it, we've spoke about it, we've given them praise. They were off it at the weekend. Uh, and like you said yourself, they should have been up by three or four at halftime. Um, Richarlison should have been on a brace within 10 minutes. The Luton have improved as well, to be fair to them. Um, I mean, they're nowhere near, you know, at a level where they're, they're going to survive, I don't think. I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to improve, but it doesn't look likely. But they have improved. They are more dogged than they are harder to beat, and we've seen that on Saturday. Yes, they load their luck, and Tottenham, it's their own fault, really, for busting all those chances. And Luton could have won it late on with Adebayo, which was a absolute sitter at the back post. Um, not won it, sorry, could have got something out of it. But, yeah, I mean, Tottenham, as you say, they're getting the points. Uh, and with the red card, which was absolutely ridiculous, they still managed to come away with the, with the three points. So, I mean, credit where credit's due. Uh, I think that's probably a wee off day, and they've still managed to get the three points. And when you want to improve and you want to stay, like, top five or higher, that's that's the kind of games you have to win. Yeah, without that, as I say, that's, that's, that's you know... Only good for, for Spurs and, and Graham, just to sort of finish off on, on this one. Uh, Madison, uh, yet another assist. Um, for me, watching watching the goal back, I've got to praise him. It's a great turn, but the defending, to, to actually get that much space in, in the in the six-yard box and, and no one near it. But, you know, I say credit where it's due to Madison, another assist, and it's a really good finish from 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 the, the centre-half and I think was on his weak foot as well. So, um, you know, credit where it's due. Yeah, listen, Madsen's easily one of the best signs this season. We knew that coming in, um, for how much uh, they signed him for. When you look at uh, some of the nonsense uh, purchases there are in the rest of the Premier League, and yeah, Van de Ven uh, finishes it off well. So uh, he's obviously a fan favourite with with the Spurs fans as well. So um, no, listen, the depend the defend was poor, and you know before we came into this season, I think we all knew Luton were in trouble. You think maybe a, a wee glimmer and I hope that they'll go out. They'll go. Uh, they won't go down without a fight when they they win at Everton. But last two results have been pretty poor, especially at home and then against ten men. So it's it's pretty bleak for them, I think. Yeah, as I say, they did they didn't create a lot, but what they did create, they just they just didn't, didn't really look like they had much conviction in front of goal, but. Jamie, moving it on then to the to the next game that, that we're going to talk about this weekend, and it was hyped up to be game of the weekend. Um, wasn't I? Don't think it was one of our first first where it was the standard, but I think we picked the, the Liverpool uh, Brighton game um, for, for entertainment, which we'll come on to. But Arsenal, Arsenal beat City, um, big win for Arsenal this one. Um, it was you know we spoke about it before we come on, but to, just to repeat it, it was a real boring watch um you know the, the attacking players that was on the pitch um disappointed with lacked a little bit of quality for me um but i think the big talking point is 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 definitely definitely the first half is should Kovacic been sent off without bemoaning at the rest because i feel like that's what i've been doing for the last two weeks and i'm still better about liverpool and tottenham um but i think michael oliver <laughs> Should have sent him off. I think it was evident from the first challenge. You can you can make a decision. You can make a you can make your own assumptions of uh, of the first yellow card, whether or not it's a, a red card or not. Um, but if you if you slow it down, if you want to do consistency and slow it down and look at the the the, the point of impact, um, 
it was a full set of studs on the back of the ankle, um, all the way up to you know up the back of his his leg, if you like. It wasn't like over on the ankle. It was up this. It was like a a full on rake at the back. Um, so I didn't think it was very clever. I wouldn't have moaned. I don't think anybody would have moaned if he would have straight red carded him. Um, Again, Kovacic is known for those kind of breaking up challenges, so it doesn't surprise me that he was on the cusp. What did surprise me is that he came up for the second half, and I think that's evidence um, of what Pep has to play with at the moment. Um, I fully expected Kelvin Phillips to come out, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what Kelvin Phillips has to do. Kelvin Phillips, sorry, has to do in order to get in that team. I think what he did is he waited till about seventy minutes and then brought John Stones on. So he's obviously got an idea of how he wants to play. Um, I, more than that, though, I probably, you know, as you said, that, you know, very disappointing in performance from probably both teams. Um, I'm not buying into this narrative that the, the master, uh, sorry, the apprentice has now beaten the master. It's the first Premier League win he's had against him since 2015, well, for Arsenal. Um, it was probably long overdue. They've beaten a couple of times in the cups games, um, so this is the first time to, you know, in the Premier League. But it was done by a, a, a wicked deflected on goal, um, you know, to put it blind bluntly. Um, we all knew Arsenal would struggle with it, Saka. I probably didn't give Rodri as much credit of him being missing and how much they would be affected by that because he, he, he anchors and just lets them play the way he does. What did surprise me though was Doku didn't get on the pitch anytime decent. Um, very, very rapid winger in and out of the wings. It was very evident that Alvarez was trying to partner Haaland up top and not getting not getting the link up, who I thought again wasn't getting the balls into him. So I probably more questioned te- Pep's tactics than than overhype Arsenal's ability to overturn Manchester City, if that makes sense. Um but yeah, I think it was a good. It was a good three points. First time City have lost two Premier League games in a row for donkeys. What would seem, but a big win in the race. Yeah, it is. As I said, it's didn't see that we. You know, we all didn't see this coming uh, a couple of weeks ago for City to to go out the cup and then back to back defeats. Johnny, what, what did you make of this one? Obviously, Jamie said there um, big deflection. I, I think the game was going to be won by a, a bit of luck or a, you know a real bit of quality, and that was the case. But. Um, you know, we've got to give Arsenal credit because it, I think it is fair to say that's a game last season. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think they get, you know, didn't get near City, and I don't think they they do win. But you know, as I said, that could that could kick them on as well. I mean, it's a huge win for them, um, even psychologically, because you know it's been a while since they've done it. Um, other than the Community Shield, anyway, the. I don't, I don't know if I would put it as like this massive, huge result that they're painting it. It's a league game. It's Man City. Man City drop, sorry, jump gears once we get into next year. That's when you see the real Man City and that's when you see what Arsenal have got. Um, right now, it's the same last season. Granted, they never beat City, but they were flying out with that for the majority of the season. And then the bottle went, hey, is it, could that happen again? There's two ways of looking at it. You can go with that, or you can say City absolutely decimated European football last year, from domestic to cups to the Champions League. You know they've done it all. How do you emulate that? You know that is a huge ask, and 
it's like we go again, we start again, and you're back, you know, way back to square one. It's a massive task, and there might be a wee bit of burnout for that. I don't know, kind of, I suppose I'm guessing a wee bit. But yeah, listen, taking nothing away from them, you're right, 100%. I wrote down the same thing, that it was going to take something either special or really lucky to win that game, either way. And that's how it panned out. It was not a good game. Um, Rhea looked spooked for the start. He was like a rabbit in the headlights. You know, he, he was like a totally different goalkeeper on, on Sunday. Um, worried the cover Kovacic. I agree with you. Should have went. Um, and again, it puts another question mark on VAR. Um, if two people get a look at it and still get the wrong decision, I would, in my opinion, anyway. But yeah, mate, good three points. Done well, but I wouldn't be getting carried away with myself just yet. No, no, I agree. I agree with that. Um, Graham, watching Arsenal Sunday, I've got to be honest, I didn't. I know they've just beaten the, as Johnny said, they're the treble, the treble champions and etc. Just watching Arsenal, I just don't see a, a league, you know, winning team. It is early in the season and they have strength from from last season, but I'm, I'm with the boys here. I still think when the the going gets tough, I still expect Arsenal to to, to fall up short. Do you think that's a little bit, a little bit harsh? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, to be honest, I think that by the Fulham game at home, I think other than that, um, even even the Spurs at home, that was always going to be a kind of fiery game. But um, other than the Fulham game, really, that was that was some really poor drop points. But I think they've, they've proven that you know they they don't need to win slick; they can win the tough games, and they've made a good start this season. They're also in the Champions League. Um, again, and they've got that. Um, they've got that going on, which they've uh, won one out of the first two. Okay, the the Lions game wasn't great, but um, I fully expect them to go through as well. So, um, no, nah, I think I think Arsenal are going to have a good steady season. To be honest, um, interested to see how they how they got on. Yeah, just, just call out the Saliba. Been brilliant. He was brilliant in the game. Probably, probably between him and Declan Rice, were probably player of the match. And it wasn't that they did anything great. It was that they just did the normal things great, which was keep people quiet. People, you know, Haaland and stuff. I really like Saliba. He's he's coming on. Yeah, he he, he dealt as I said with Haaland with pace and strength, didn't he? He's, 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 he's really he, he battled him. He, he battled him. See when see when Haaland was making his runs, he was pulling him. He was nudging him. Holland wasn't liking that. You could see he was getting his hands in there. And I think that sometimes is the right way to play against him. You know, if you give him that head start, then he gets in your face. But if you get in his face first, kind of doesn't like it. Um, and Alvarez is not a number two to play off. He, he wants to run in behind, didn't he? So, um, but yeah, I think Saliba was really good on Sunday. Yeah, no, it was definitely, definitely my man in the match. Uh, Johnny, let's move it on then. Chelsea, Chelsea another win. Um, it was the... It was the Sterling show uh, at the weekend. He was due a performance like that. It's been a while since I watched Raheem Sterling and actually enjoyed watching him, but uh, he was very, very good at the weekend, I think it's fair to say. And when Chelsea went 1-0 down early on, I did think, here we go again, but it was a, it was a really comfortable uh, comfortable win in the end. Yeah. Uh, convincing with me. I think those are important. Uh, yeah, I agree. Sterling is excellent. Uh, he's, he's just one of those players that He'll go quiet for a couple of games, but when he's on it, he can be unplayable. He, he's pretty much been like that throughout his career, to be honest. But um, he was at the weekend. He was excellent. You could tell he was well up for it. Um, he was getting plenty of change out of the defenders, and he was getting a lot of space, and you just can't give him that kind of, 
kind of rumour he's going to exploit it. Uh, granted, it's a newly promoted team, so again, it's another one you don't want to get too carried away with. Um, they were much better second half. First half, they were quite sloppy, and Burnley looked actually okay. Um, but, I mean, that, they only had five shots. I think it was five shots on target and scored four, so you have to be happy with that. But, I mean, it was a good all-round performance, mate, and just hope that it can continue. Uh, one thing I did not look at is how the fixtures are, how, we, how we're looking. Um, so, like, like I was saying, I just I don't want to get carried away with it, but, yeah, good one. Happy with it, mate. They've yeah, got Arsenal that... next. Arsenal next. Awesome. Is it, is it, yeah. I think you said last week that they didn't have the best run. That's why. Yeah, I think in November, in November, in, in, towards the end of October into November, they've got an absolute stinker. Um, they've got Arsenal, Brentford, um, and then they're away to Spurs and they're at home to City. So the next four games are probably going to determine where they uh, finish up. Turned over Luton and Burnley, mate. <laughs> mad for it. Bring them on. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll beat Arsenal in a couple of weeks. Uh, Arsenal are due a defeat. <laughs> no, Graham, uh, Chelsea obviously, you know, starting to starting to burn and, and getting key players back as well, and are looking good. But I want to I want to ask you your thoughts on Burnley. Um, I know it's easy again after a, another defeat, but I'll be honest, I've been really. De- I said it last week as well, but I've been really disappointed with Burnley. Like I think there was a quite a big hype about um company and Burnley obviously done really well in the championship but for me I just I, I think they're, they're definitely one of the teams that there is a lot of poor sides down there but I, I you know I think they're going to struggle this season I don't know I'm not surprised I was actually the, the thing that surprised me most about Burnley is that um they won they won the league with, with company last season um when you look at his record with Anderlecht he's it was awful. So I actually thought when he went to Burnley, I thought it was going to be a fail. Um, I was surprised he was a success in his first season um, and I'm not surprised that there may be kind of that end of the, the um, spectrum for sure. Burnley were always a tough team to go to. Tough Mill was always that tough place to go to and I don't think you ever get the feeling that they were going to do that under company in the Premier League. Um, I think that this is one of those seasons where the, maybe the three that came up are, are certainly going to go down, and and, it, and it's it's certainly looking like that anyway. Um, with specifically looking, we're always dead on as we've said, but look, Burnley, I just don't see, I just don't see it with them. Um, and obviously, look, they got a good win away to, away at Luton, um, and that was that was a must for them. Those are the kind of early results in the season where you know if you're getting beat away to Luton, it's potentially going to be a long season, but they, they got the win, but it just doesn't seem to have done much for them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do and, and they run up to Christmas, big month coming up for them, but I just I just don't see them turning that around and I can't see anything but relegation for them this season. Yeah, I'd go with that in a minute from what I've seen. Jamie, well, what's your thoughts on, on Burnley? Um, again, as I said, you know, Chelsea are starting to hit some form, but obviously the bigger games and bigger tests are to come for Chelsea. I think I think with company it's a bit different because you look at the three teams that have come up and they've all got three different challenges, shall we say. Um, Luton have got the challenge of being probably the, 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 the least value in terms of money being spent. Sheffield United have got a bigger record in the Premier League, but 
the sales that they had to do at the beginning of the season and the ownership troubles that they're going through, their manager's pretty much looks as always living week on week and on results. And with company, though, don't get that feeling. I, I feel like he's got an absolute gimme. Like, they know, and I, I completely agree with Graham, when he joined Anderlecht, I think they were a top four team when he was, by the time he left, I think they were they were, they were lucky if they were top eight um, with some of the results that they were doing. Surprised he got a tune out of Burnley the way he did, but he, he, he feels as though... He's got a plan with them, and they're 100% behind him. I wouldn't be surprised if he got relegated this year and he was still there next season because I think he's, he's, he's he, he looks as though he's there for the for the legacy of it, to try and do something more than just get him a bigger ticket out of there. He potentially could have had an interview for the Tottenham job mid-season, uh, at the end of the season, and he apparently turned that back and signed a new contract with Burnley, which tells you a little bit more about his character. So I think Burnley have got a bit of a free hit this season. And I think they'll be just happy to pick up points with and when they can. And we spoke recently that they've had an up and down start, whereas they had to play City the opening game, then they had to miss a game because of the the, the rearranged fixture. Quite quickly, as Graham just called it, a lot of the games are starting to become must wins. Um, but I don't see that being at the detriment of who's in charge of them. Um, I don't think Burnley will do done. I think there's three worse teams than Burnley. At the moment, um, I think one thing that Burnley have got for them is that they're still scoring goals. Um, yes, they lost 4-1, but they're still getting goals. I quite like this, the lad up front, Foster. He seems to be playing pretty decent. and um, So I kind of hope, I kind of expect them to do a little bit more the more they, they get the games in. I'm not overly fussed about Burnley, if I'm honest. Um, I think this result was more about Chelsea um, having to, you know, the... the I think the one thing you start to see from Chelsea at the moment now is consistency in the midfield. The, the, the same players, Casado, Gallagher, and Enzo Fernandez. Not a big fan of the three of them as a, as a trio, but they're constantly playing, so they're getting that repetition. Um, it's funny that Sterling has an absolute blinder the, the week before the England call-up when he's not been picked for the last two call-ups. So, um, you know, um, we'll see if that continues. But I'm not convinced, Brozier is the answer to, to, to Chelsea's issues. You know, the number nine search, shall I say. Um, but I was happy to see the lad Palmer do have a good game. He got himself a goal as well, but he's he's, he's probably been there, you know, shall we say, there um, from the from the purchases that they made in the middle of the, at the end of the season, sorry, beginning of the season. He's probably the one that's come in and surprised me a little bit um, how well he's actually playing for them. He's got a couple of assists and a goal now, so if he gets that game time, I, I just see him just kicking on um, until Nkunku comes back and then we'll see what happens. But I definitely think this game was more about Chelsea than it was Burnley. Um, and I think there'll be a few of them. Yeah, no, I, I like the look of Cole Palmer, to be fair. I'm still surprised that um, City let him go. I still I still find that really, really strange when you look at the numbers that, that City have got. Um, but, you know, especially letting him letting him go to, to Chelsea as well, I find it strange. But I do, do like the look of him. Graham, um, moving it on then to Manchester United um, this weekend, who, to be honest, I <laughs> I thought they lost 1-0. Uh, obviously, 1-0 down for a long, long time. I think it was the 94th minute um, gone out and it weren't until later on in the evening um, found out that Scott McTominay bowed him out um, with, with two late goals that keeps, I think, takes the pressure off Ten Hag massively. Um, get out of jail card play. Graham, but I want, I want to ask you just on, you know, I think it's, it's unfair to talk about anyone else other than McTominay. 
um, with, with the two goals. I really like Scott McTominay. I know there's a mixed feeling, I think, on, on, on the pod, and I think there's a mixed bag in terms of, you know, what people think of him. But um, I've got to say, when I do watch him for Scotland, I am always impressed, especially if he plays in that sort of um, a little bit further forward. I don't see him as a, a holding midfielder at all. Um, but it just frustrates me when, when you see it. I just think he's, he's in and out the side a lot and he doesn't get too much game time. Um, but yeah, what's your thoughts on McTominay and, and that obviously that big result for, for Man United? Yeah, McTominay, he's, he's obviously a good player. Um, and I think at this point he should be in the Man U team. But saying that, I think it shows where this Man U team are that you know we're talking about Scott McTominay should be a star for them. I think... As I say, he's good, but I don't think he is elite level player that Man United deserve. You know, this I'm talking about one of the biggest clubs in the world, one of the most successful, in certainly my lifetime. Um, and I just think it's unreal. You know what's really happened to them since since Ferguson, and I say that when they, you know, they've won a European trophy, they're still winning cups and things like that, and it's amazing. But yeah, this season's been pretty poor so far and, and last season I specifically was quite quite excited Just, I, th- I thought we were going to have a really kind of blockbuster title race um, I, th- I think you know last last year we'd said I know I'd certainly said you know if they can get their, their transfer business done right with the right players going going out and, and the right coming in um, maybe a more elite spine of their team that we could see them certainly you know push towards the top of the table and and actually do something in Europe again, and, and they've just been pretty catastrophic. And you're absolutely right, and you're saying, you know, it's taking the pressure off Ten Hag. I mean, that would have been their third defeat in a row, and somehow they've they managed to grab victory out of the jaws of defeat. And yeah, fair play, like McTominay, we all know for Scotland, certainly, he's the, the top goal scorer, the joint top scorer in the European qualifying campaign, which is amazing um, for, for where he plays, but absolutely fair play to him. And I think, look, he should be in the team. I think you'll probably see him start after international break, certainly for for Man U. But um, I thought he took his, I thought he took um, took the goals well, um, and fair play to him. But yeah, Man U need drastic improvement. I think uh, obviously there's a lot of calls on on Anna and his performances, and yeah, listen. He should have done better, but the defence before before Brentford's goal was the defending was horrendous, like amateur boy like boy school stuff, and and it's just ridiculous. So listen, the yeah, the goalie's the last man of defence, of course, he is. He needs to be saving that, but I think their problems run a lot deeper than who's between their sticks just now. To be honest, yeah, I just I said it last week on the show and uh, about their recruitment uh, I think their recruitment has, has been again um, you say a club like Man United deserve and, and, and I say well, I agree with you in terms of how successful they've been but you're only as good as their recruitment and their recruitment this season for me has been absolutely shocking Johnny um, Brentford comfortable um, in, in this game um and as I said, the goal that, that they do score is, is a, yeah, as Graham said, com- comedy of defending and, and, and Anana again lets it go through him. But um, they've got to be kicking themselves the way they defended the last the last couple of minutes. Uh, even even McTominay's equaliser, don't get it wrong, it comes at him really quick. It's a great first touch, but um, 
you know, to steal, to get that space in there, to turn and get it in the corner. And then for the winner, um, I thought that to get two contacts on it, uh, Brentford will be, be, be kicking themselves. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, didn't play badly at all. I thought for the first quite a long period of that game, Man United were beyond lethargic. They were sloppy. Passes were, were loose. Um, for the goal, that's exactly what happened. I think they gave the ball away in midfield. And then, actually, it was Casemiro, yeah, with a sloppy pass. And then we see... I agree with what Graham said with the defence, but also also agree with your keeper's your last man. And some of them should be bread and butter. That was bread and butter. He should be stopping that. Um, whether it gets through or not, he has to be stopping that. I was actually thinking about it earlier as I wonder how long they'll persist with him. If these, you know, they keep happening because they're going to look back, they're going to monitor that game. And it's pretty much one a week at this minute. And a lot of the time it's costing them goals or points. Uh, and they were quite lucky to come away with that game. They would have been lucky to get a point, if I'm honest, never mind the three. I thought the sub prior to McTominay, they hooked Casemiro for Ericsson and that gave them a lot more threat. Man United looked a lot better for that point. The and then leave it to a, a by proxy Scotsman to save the day. The I think it was the second one. He had a lot of time. Like you said, his first touch was almost it didn't look like it was going to work, but then he snapped at the shot really quickly. Um, so he done well with that. I've got to give him, you know, give him his due because the ball was behind him and he spun and hooked it back before he took the shot. And you know that fair play. But I, I agree 100% with Graham on McTominay. I like him too. He's fantastic for Scotland, um, and I think he's a tidy player. But a top five player? No, uh, I don't think he is. I don't think he's good enough to be. If Man United want to be there, top five or even further, they think they should be further. So. If they want to be higher up than that and challenging, then I don't think your midfield can accommodate a Scott McTominay. You need a higher level than that. But I am not saying he's a bad player. I often emphasise that. He is a decent player. I just don't think he's quite at that level. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, Brentford can feel pretty aggrieved by it, but it was very, very sloppy defending for both goals. Jamie, uh, Johnny makes a really good point there about... And, honor and uh, you know, I've seen a lot of chat in Twitter the last couple of days and the calls for David De Gea to be re-signed. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I think I said it last week that he was still a free agent. Um, I, I don't know what, it wouldn't even put it past me to see something like that happen. Well, um, the, 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 the Twitter rumours was that he was in Manchester on Tuesday and maybe was wondering why, but I, apparently he was either packing up his flat or um, he was doing he was visiting somebody, but he was spotted in Manchester and Twitter went mental, thinking that he was into hen for talks, um, which I don't I don't I don't think that was it. But it, it, it's mad when you think about Anana because obviously they spent a lot of money on him. Um, they didn't break any records for him, but they, they, they went out of the way to bring him in. They, they fought tooth and nail. He was a Champions League finalist last season. And I go back to, do you remember that preseason game where he absolutely berated Harry Maguire in front of the whole stadium because of a, a sloppy back pass or a sloppy pass that Maguire couldn't take? And you think, you know, you've got two ways of looking at that and you go, either he's a show pony for the cameras or he's actually, you know, he's this way inclined. 
he's probably been at fault for about 70% of the goals that they've conceded this season, in my opinion, whether it's passing out, whether it's his inability to shop, to, to save a shot. Um, kind of needs a bit of a reality check, I think, a little bit um, in terms of the team he's playing for, because I don't know, I just don't get it. It just doesn't seem a good fit at all. Um, the, the, the Onana situation, I mean, it's his first season. He He's ultimately got to get, get better form from somewhere. But you just look fragile every time you play him. They've got Brighton next. You look at that and you go, there's going to be about four goals in that game. You just don't know which way it's going to go. But you wouldn't be surprised if it was finished for Brighton 4-0, for example, just because of the way their defence is. Um, they've got no left-backs at the moment. Um, and they're playing with the, the other lad they just brought in who doesn't look as though he's actually playing any decent, even though he's playing at a position as Amrabat. Um, you know, again, having to play left back. So again, it just doesn't feel right at Manchester United. Um, you go back to the game itself. I don't believe Ten Hag thinks he's getting something out of that game. And what I mean is you don't stick Scott McTominay on in the 88th minute thinking he's going to score a goal for you. He's taking him off for the for the left back, which is Amrabat. Scott McTominay just has a natural intuition that he's going to get higher up from the set plays or, or, or the play. And I was looking at his stats earlier. I was actually more surprised. Scott McTominay's got over 215 appearances for Manchester United. No, 215 appearances. He's averaging 20, 20 to 25 games a season. No, might not be four games, but I mean, he's, he's actually, you know, he's getting appearances. That shocked me because I, I there's this narrative that obviously he doesn't get game time or he doesn't, he's, he's not, you know, he should play more. I'm looking at that and I'm going, that's actually a healthy number for the last seven years. And another thing as well is that everybody talks about how, you know, he's a young player coming through. I didn't realise he's 26. He's going to be 27 in two months' time. What? He's 27 in two months' time. And and when I read that, I'm going, is that really Scott McTominay? That's not the narrative that's spun. He's obviously playing his skin for Scotland and he gets higher up and he's asked to play a different position. But I go back to what Johnny was saying. You look at their midfield... No Man United fan is going to look at that midfield and go put McTominay in over Bruno, Mason Mount, or Casemiro because it just doesn't because because it doesn't it doesn't read right it doesn't feel that should be what Man United are looking for. So I don't think he's going to get anything better than what he has at the moment. I think if McTominay wants to go on and get more, shall we say? I think he needs to move. And he had potentially had opportunities in the, in the, at the end of the, um, sorry, at the beginning of the season. I think West Ham and Newcastle were looking at him. Um, so I feel a bit for McTominay, actually, because he did well. He came on, he got his two goals, and I thought, well done, lad. Brilliant. But then you look at it and go, what, what's next for him? He probably sits on the bench the next game. Yeah. And you think, well, you know, again, I think McTominay, I think I said to you last week, you asked me if uh, if Eric Ten Hag was the next manager to be sacked, and I said probably not, but I don't see him seeing it the season. I think that result sums it up, because that result could have been so much worse, you know, and probably just held them back a little bit. But you look at the next set of fixtures that are coming up, and it doesn't look fun for them at all. No, that's mad. I was at 250 appearances and 26. That has just proper surprised me, that McTominay. But it is the fact that you are right. He plays one game, then he comes on for 10 minutes in three, and then he's right, go on, then go, you know. Uh, he did need to move, I, I do agree. I think West Ham would have been a good move for him. 
Or you know, maybe yeah. I think I think he's unfairly viewed from last season. Last season it was him and Fred in the middle of the park, and the two of them couldn't play together. In my opinion, the way balls were getting through them, and I think he's still tarnished with that, that that kind of Fred's not even there no more. So it's a totally different midfield. But should he start? Should he be playing? It depends on what you're asking from him. I don't think Ten Hag is going to give him that opportunity. I really don't. As I said, I don't think Ten Hag's bringing him on in the 88th minute to score two goals. He's bringing him on to give his left back, who's covering midfielder, a, a break. And it just happens that he's found himself in that position. So I kind of feel for the lad now because he'll probably sit on the bench for the next two or three games. Yeah, no, you, you know, uh, well, you might get one more start and then it out for free. But, but Graham, um, moving it on, big win for Everton. Um, at the weekend, I don't, I don't think I can't remember the last time I see Everton score three goals, but uh, uh, they did at the weekend. It was really comfortable. Could have been more. Um, again, you know, I've got to give credit to Everton, but Bournemouth bang in trouble. Um, <clears throat> I still can't get my head around the appointment um, of that in the summer. I think that's going to cost them, cost them dearly. Um, but what did you make of, of that one at the weekend? Yeah, I was going to say, so that Everton had scored two goals at Goodson or something in the last six. Um, so for them to um, go with three, look at, no doubt it's going to give them confidence. But uh, to be honest, I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into it. Like, I wouldn't be putting bets on Everton next week or the week after, after that. You know, they, they need a bit more than, than I get when against Bournemouth. I think they showed how fragile and poor they can be after getting beat by Luton, you know, in the last couple of weeks. So um, I think it's more Bournemouth and the concern there. I, I completely agree. Look, they've not won the league uh, as much as, you know, I slated Gary O'Neill. He was getting a much better tune out of this team than, than Iola is. So... It's looking a bit worrying for them. I honestly think Bournemouth will survive purely because how honking the other three will be that are, that are going to be worse off. And I think that's what will save them. Bournemouth, the amount of money they've spent in the summer is unbelievable. I mean, you look at Tyler Adams, who's not even kicked a ball yet, and they spent, I don't know, 25 million on the, on the boy. Uh, but wasn't, wasn't he injured, though? Remember, remember he couldn't take a Chelsea medical because he was injured or something, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. He's injured, but he's not kicked a ball. You know, that the most expensive sign, I think it was, but they've signed a lot. Obviously, Aaron, who I like, but um, then you've got Cliver, who does seem to be predominantly benched. Um, I just think for the money they've spent, I would be expecting more points uh, return so far. But, look, obviously, this manager wants to be a, play a bit more of an expansive game. I totally get that, but you cannot be going to a struggling team like Everton who um, haven't started well, who have been struggling now for two seasons and take a 3-0 beating off them at Goodson Bar when they've only scored two in the last six. So, look, it's a worry for Bournemouth. Good for Everton, but yeah, we'll see what the next... It's all about the next, just week by week for Everton and, and if they can start building confidence. I think the big thing for them is uh, Calvert-Loon maybe starting to come on. He's, he's avoided injury uh, recently. So, I think if he played very well, at the weekend, I think, um, from the highlights that I saw. Uh, so, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll start looking up for them. I like Sean Dyche, and, you know, I, I think if they can make good Simbarka Fortress, they, they will, of course, be okay. Yeah, as I said, it, it, it makes it easy, Johnny, when, when as, as Graham said there, they, they're gifting goals, and, and you see the three goals, and they are, for me, they're all, all gifts. To be fair, Jack Harrison takes his the second goal. That'd be hard to say that was a gift. That was a, an excellent finish. But, um yeah, what's your thoughts on, on these two? Obviously, Everton, 
one week they get a good result, next week a poor one, but you know, that's two two good wins in, in the last three for them. And you know, I expect them to stay up just because Sean Dyash out of the, some of the other managers that are down there. Uh, I thought we'd get more for Bournemouth, if I'm honest. Um Everton have been hit and a miss. Uh, and like Graham said, if you're going to a club who are struggling, and they have been, um, you kind of want a wee bit more out of them. You you know you want them to have a go. Um, I think Everton, if they go down or you go at them hard, I think they're probably going to fold where they are right now. But Bournemouth have done that. Bournemouth kind of just invited it. And like you say, they were gifting goals. Um, I like the lad Harrison. I think he's a good player. Um, his injury problems is probably his only real downfall. If you can avoid that, I think uh, I think he'll do well for them. But uh, I agree with you on the, the, the managerial appointment. I think Bournemouth, I wouldn't say they're quite in trouble yet. I mean, we're still relatively early. But yeah, they are down there, aren't they? I mean, I don't even know what they're on. Is it like two points or something? Have they got two? Three. Three, uh, three, yeah. three, three draws. Three. three draws, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds bad because of where they are. I mean, they're sitting second bottom, but there's nothing between them and Everton, Brentford. It's only a win, maybe a win and a draw. So, yeah, it is recoverable, absolutely. Um, and they do have some decent personnel, but I think it is going to be tough for them, if I'm honest. And I think it's going to be tough for Everton, too. I think I still think they're going to struggle as well. I think the pair of them are going to have a tough time. Yeah. What, what is worth pointing out, I guess, with Bournemouth, just looking like they've started the season, like we've said, three draws, they've not won yet. The only thing going for them, I guess, is the teams they've played so far. I mean, they've had quite a tough start with Liverpool, they've played Tottenham, they have played Chelsea, they've played Arsenal. So, I mean, like, they're opening games, but I guess that might put more pressure on, you know, they're, they're certain running towards Christmas and, and kind of turn of the year when they are playing teams more on the, the lesser half of the league. It might be more pressure on them, so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get more of a flavour for them uh, coming up. I think the they next do. four games, the next four games. Sorry, John. I think the next four are um, Wolves, Burnley, City, and Newcastle. So I think it's a big, mm-hmm. it's a big set of fixtures coming up from that. You would expect them to get at least one win out of that. Yeah, I mean, you're looking for, if I'm honest, you're looking for what maybe four points for the next two games. If you, you know, that would be the that would be the ideal scenario. Um, and after, like you said, they come out the back of those tough two fixtures. They've got Sheffield as well, um, Villa Palace. So there is points there. And I think um, once we maybe get to roughly what game week 14, 15, I think we'll have a better idea of where they are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I was, if I was going to hedge my bets, I'd say Bournemouth will be looking for a new manager before Christmas. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with that. Um, And that's purely because he's the unknown. You know, uh, the the boy at Sheffield United is probably the favourite week on week, but at least you know what you're getting from him. This this, this lad they brought in from Spain is obviously an unknown. He's he's obviously done good with his teams that he's had, but he's had time to do it. You don't get that time, realistically, in the Premier League. Um, You know, if, if they continue their form that they are right now, they'll probably equaling to the best part of. Do you remember Palace last season when they got rid of Vieira? They were on that crazy 10-game spiral. 
but Bournemouth kind of scream that at the moment. They just they don't. They're not turning up. They're playing. I think Graham said it. They're playing really poor at the moment, um, which I was surprised at because they do have some decent players. Um, you know, that just don't seem... For example, I think the the lad that started the first three games hasn't played the last four. The, the boy, Semenyo, I think he scored against Liverpool. For some reason, he's not getting off their bench. And you think, well, you're, all, you're, you're looking for goals. I don't. So I don't know what's going on there. We don't hear much about what's happening at Bournemouth, whether they're all getting on, whether they're all fighting for each other. You just don't hear from them. You, as you hear from the Burnley lads, you hear from Sheffield stated. I've not heard much about Bournemouth, if I'm honest. So I think that fear of the unknown is probably what makes them, as you said, fear that his his books will be probably coming in the next four weeks. In my honest opinion. Yeah. If you guess that Absolutely agree with that, mate. Uh, Jamie, I'll stay with you though, for, for the next game. Um, Brighton, Liverpool. Um, <coughs> we, me, you, and Johnny last week said that we expected goals. Um, we <laughs> said the goals. safest bet was over 2.5 and both teams to score, wasn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought Liverpool were, were the better side uh, throughout the 90, but you know, poor defending from, from both sides. But you know, a, a crucial time where Liverpool need to see out that to, to get the three points. It was a uh, must feel that two points dropped. No, it does, but it also it represents pretty much every game we've played this season. You know, slow starting, probably go behind, control most of the game, get themselves back in front, and then we see it through. For whatever reason, obviously, it didn't happen this time. Probably should have lost it in the end as well. Um, but, you know, it's very unlike Allison and Van Dijk to make a mistake that they did for the first goal. Um, the, I think for the first 20 minutes, we were just kind of happy trying to invite them onto us. Um, and what I mean by that is we're just playing it between defenders. So Van Dijk playing it to Matip. Matip runs 20 yards, turns back and plays it back to Van Dijk. And it did, they did that for about 20 minutes. But then Allison gets frustrated and tries to... Allison's been coming forward like he's a third central defender and and what that's doing is, is it's inviting the players onto them which means Allison's now going to get himself back he, he kind of shanks sorry he kind of overheads a pass into McAllister who's not ready to take it and the ball bounces off him and he gets shrugged off the ball which you can argue he shouldn't and Allison's now at a position and Elijah Dringer absolutely smashes it and Daisy cutters it right along the floor and before you know it they're now 1-0 ahead and they've not even touched the ball in reality that's pretty much the beginning of our games every season, to some extent. Um, we relied on Brighton's inability to keep a clean sheet to get ourselves back into the game. They tried to play it out from the back as well and got caught with our pressing. Um, you don't do that, in my opinion, when you've got annoyances like Salah and Darwin Nunes and Luis Diaz bearing down on you. You know, there's certain strikers that you feel comfortable that you're not, but they're like, as Martin Kuhn used to say, they're like rashies. They don't leave you alone. You know, they they don't just go in for one nibble. They keep coming at you, and that's exactly what they did. Um, I've got to big up Harvey Elliott's dummy, though, for Salah's second goal. Um, Darwin Nunes collects the ball, plays it onto Elliott. Elliott dummies it, and it runs through to Salah, and it was lovely, absolutely lovely. Um, and I thought we would go on to see the game out. Um, Ryan Gravenberch come on the second half, who I really, really like. Um, McAllister got hooked. He got found out a little bit in the game. He's not a natural number six at all, um, but he's been asked to play that game because that role because Jones is not available. Ryan Gravenberch come in, had a really good opportunity, unfortunately hit the bar, and you know from there you're going, 
next goal is important. And I think I said it to Johnny, I like, we need another goal to see this out. And the longer it went on, um, I'm going to be a bit arsey and say that it wasn't a free kick that they scored from. I think the lad takes a bit of a dive between two players and the ref gives it. But hey-ho, um, for whatever reason, Robertson decides he's got to score an own goal and not put his foot to, to connect with it. Um, and it leaves it open to Lewis Dunk, who's just steaming in and doesn't miss those. They had, a, they had the exact same free kick about two minutes later, and I've got my head in my hands thinking, oh no, here we go again. Um, but yeah, the game then fizzled out. João Pedro probably should have put the game to bed at the very end, had a really good open opportunity and totally missed it. Um, but yeah, definitely feel like that's two points dropped. Um, and probably a reflection of, as I said, of how our season's going to go. We're going to score quite a lot of goals, but we're also going to concede them. And until we until we do something about that, then uh, I think it's going to be like that every game now. Yeah, Johnny, I think that that's, that's a fair, and I think we, we'd all agree that in, in terms of Liverpool. But I'd actually say exactly the same thing for Brighton as well. I'd say can score goals, but there's the defensively you can get at them as well. And, and that's why it made for a perfect game on Sunday. Yeah, on paper, mate, we knew we were going to get goals. Uh, and like Jamie said, they, Liverpool think they should have had the three, but Brighton think the exact same thing. I think it could have went either way. Both of them had a lot of chances. Uh, it was a pretty even game, just two very creative attacking sides. Just It was a cracking game to see. Um, and it's what we've had for them pretty much all season. Not always winning Brighton, but when they when they're on it, they're excellent, and Liverpool are just like a constant threat. Uh, very very sloppy, Liverpool, especially for the opener. I noticed that a couple of times with Van Dyke. I mean, he can be notoriously lazy, um, or at least kind of looks like that. You know, just a bit slow in the uptake. It's almost like a lack of effort, or maybe it just doesn't spot it. I don't know. I don't know if you you noticed that. I think they covered it in the highlights as well. They took a they were taking short corners, Brighton. And they were just bringing it in the near post. Juan Pedro was making the run, cutting it straight back to the edge of the box, free shot. But when they first done it, he went to do it. He made that run. Van Dyke was covering him. And the guy stopped. So he didn't take the corner. Van Pedro had to go back to the front. Uh, Pedro had to go back to the front post. So it was clear as day what they were going to do. They were going to try and do it again. So they do exactly that. They play the ball in, that pass, and Van Dijk doesn't move. He doesn't chase him. He doesn't follow him. He doesn't track him. Van Pedro, I keep saying Van Pedro. Pedro gets a ball, cuts it back, and they get a free shot. And that's kind of where I see Van Dijk is that You know, it's like, it's obvious. You know what he's going to do, but he does not track that run whatsoever. Uh, and that happened as well with the goal. I felt like um, pretty much... The where am I? Sorry. There I am. Sorry. So McAllister, he got hooked, like Jamie said. But I felt a bit harsh by him, especially for the goal. If he, he he's surrounded by three players when he lost that ball. He had three players on him and they were on him tight. So my question is he had the whole defence to pass to. Why did they choose to pass to him in the first place? I would never blame McAllister for that. You know, he was as soon as that ball came in, they just swarmed on him. Yeah, he was sleeping a bit, 
But even if he did get to that ball, he was going to lose it. He was going to get swarmed. So those are the kind of small mistakes they are making. Um, and like we said, both said both of the teams are a wee bit guilty of that. They are a wee bit guilty of being a wee bit sloppy. But um, it was a good game. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was fairly balanced. And personally, I thought a point was probably fair. Definitely game of the weekend for me. Um, I think, you know, we spent a bit of time. But Graham, I'm, I'm going to move on. We're running off a little bit of time. We've still got a few more games. The game I want to talk to you about is the West Ham-Newcastle game, which I wish was the late kickoff instead of uh, on telly instead of that Arsenal-City one because that was an absolute uh, cracker as well. Um, West Ham left it really late. Uh, I think the 90, uh, 90th minute equaliser from, from Kudos off the bench. But... There was a lot of big talking points um, in this game. Um, Bruno uh, sh- should have been sent off, in my opinion, for, for two yellow cards. And I think that left let Newcastle off the hook because West Ham were, were, were definitely the better side in that in that first half. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, for sure, uh, I think maybe a game of two halves um, for me. But West Ham, you know, tough, tough team at home, but Newcastle definitely reeling off the back of, you know, probably their best, well, probably their best European result in history, you know, um, pumping PSG at home. So, um, again, the man that stands out for me is uh, Isaac. We've spoke about him. I think most most times I'm on it. I rave about him. I just think he behind behind Haaland is. The, an absolute machine. Um, I just can't see him being at Newcastle. I, I don't see how he, he, he stays at Newcastle that much longer. Somebody's going to come in with a ludicrous amount of money for him because his goal returns um, is exceptional. He's a genuinely all-round player, in my opinion. Um, and, yeah, really, really enjoyable player to watch. Um, I think probably... From you know what we saw, the 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 draw is probably a fair result to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I do think Newcastle need to start. You know these are games they want to win. They should be winning. Um, they're sitting in eighth in the table. West Ham seventh. They've made a good start this season, but I, I just feel like Newcastle really need to start pressing on now. They've got a squad that's capable. Um, and they're now unbeaten, kind of all competitions in the last seven games. So, um, turn these draws into wins pretty important if they want to achieve what they, they want to achieve this season, which you would assume is is pushing towards that top four again. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and Jamie, just to, 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 to stay on that, um, uh, Bowen signed a new deal this week for West Ham. I think that's a, a big, big boost for West Ham because I know a lot of West Ham supporters were a little bit worried about losing him uh, in the summer and if not uh, you know January or summer because I think he could go and do a job you know a, a, a bigger clubs personally um, I, I do think they were the, the better side um, in that first half but as Graham said Isaac turns the, turns the game with the two finishes and I think I see there was a quite a big outcry on Twitter by West Ham fans saying that it was a foul on uh, Agu- Aguero for the second goal but it's just brilliant striker play um, yeah. and I agree with Graham there. He's, he's got it all. He, he, he can go in behind. He's strong. He's he, you know he's quick. He's, he's a really good finisher as well. Yeah, I think you know um, I'm a big fan of Isak in terms of um, what he's done. So 
Um, I'm probably not as high up. He's not as high up on my list as what Graham's got him. Um, but I understand the thought process. You know, um, I, I first remember what I first remember catching my eye when I was about 16, 17, when he was in the Swedish league before he moved on to Dortmund. Um, but he, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's well travelled for his age. Um, I think he's at the right. For me, I think he's at the right level in terms of being at Newcastle. I think that's probably a perfect team for him. Um, he's, he'll get the opportunities out of them. But he needs game time. So you, you kind of feel that sometimes when he doesn't play, and they, they be like, I, I feel like Eddie Howe likes to have Wilson. When he doesn't have Wilson, he's forced to play Isak. But Isak turns up, he gets his goals. Um, you know, he scores he scores the odd puller every now and again as well. But the moment Wilson's fit, well, I, Isak either goes on the wing or he goes on the bench. So I don't know I don't know what the thought process is. It's probably just more of a long-term project. Um, the, the Bowen thing... Um, Surprised he signed such a long deal, considering I think he'll be 33, 34 by the time that deal expires. I'm actually kind of happy for him, but I'm also happy that it's been done as well because um, there's always been this narrative that um, Liverpool would be very interested in Bowen if uh, Salah was ever to move on. Um, if I'm honest, I like Bowen. I, sorry, Bowen. I don't like the 100 million price tag that would be asked for Bowen. So the fact that this deal's come in kind of means he's off the table to all that kind of chat now when it can be put to bed, if that makes sense. Like, I do like him, but I don't think he's a natural replacement for somebody like Mo Salah. Do we, do we, think, this, do we think this deal is because West Ham are probably aware? I know he's came out and says he wants to be there forever, blah, 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 nonsense, no doubt. But do we think that the deal's there because... It's likely he's maybe going to leave next summer, certainly in the next couple I, of years. And it is. No, I, I, I think it's different. I think it's different. I think um, if you go back to, they offered Declan Rice the same deal, the same length. So it's not like a one off. They offered Declan Rice the same deal. I think they recognise that these are that's, the kind of players that's that the what fans I mean. want. But that's exactly what I mean. You know, if Rice takes that deal, he probably still leaves to Arsenal, but it means they can drive mm. up the price or they can certainly justify that price. So even though you don't like a potential price for Jared mm-hmm. Bowen, um, in no way do I see him as a replacement for Salah. No, but, you know, if the pillars that be do, at least that price can be justified because he's on a yeah. seven-year deal. I think it's probably more... Uh, Mason, you'll know this more than me, but I think my right, David Moyes' contract is actually due up in the summer next year. So there's a lot of talk about whether or not West Ham are going to go down that route. I don't think Bowen's signing that contract if Moyes is potentially not going to be there because I think he's a Moyes kind of player. So I kind of, that, I think it's all, all these things are happening in the background that's probably signifying a bit of a long, a bit of more longevity. Longevity, if you like, for people like Bowen, um, Socek, the you know the the the, the moist type of players. Um, I'm, if I'm honest, I really, really, really like the boy Kudos. I think he should be getting more game time. Um, I think that's his first goal he scored for them, um, and he was only on the pitch for about 12 minutes. Is his second goal, I think? Um, but he was only on the pitch for about 12 minutes. I think he makes such a difference. I, I, for me, Antonio wouldn't be sitting on my bench if I had people like Kudas available to me. Um, and I mean that honestly, because I just think you get so much more from him. He's he's essentially their future. I think he's he's got more chance of moving on to a bigger team now, in my opinion, than somebody like Jared Bowen. Um, but again, I'm really happy with how West Ham have started the season, because I think there was a lot of talk about whether or not they were going to be the same as last season, which is, you know, fighting the bottom five places. I'm I think they're probably sitting round about where they should be, between seventh and tenth, maybe seventh and eleventh, you know, come season end. So if they if they're sitting there, I think it's a I think it's a, a successful 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 season for them this year. 
No, I absolutely agree with that. And, and they're dealing with it, the Sunday-Thursday games quite well at the moment. So I actually think they're a dark horse for the Europa League this season, West Ham. Uh, Johnny, um, I'll come to you on the, the Sheffield United um, Fulham game. Fulham, comfortable 3-1 winners. The talking point from this one, though, is the, the Basham injury, um, which was an absolute shocker. Um, and hopefully recovers quickly because that was not nice to watch at, at first viewing. But hecking bottoms at it again. Yeah, I've said nothing. I, got, I think everybody's going to have some kind of, you know, agenda against the man. But I said it, I said it, and I am still far from convinced of him. Or Sheffield, they are, they're not looking good. But listen, like you said, um, Washington, Basham, hopefully they could recover for that. I know he's 35. And that's a horrific injury for anybody. And at 35, it makes it all the more difficult to come back. But I really hope it does, mate. Nobody wants to see that. Whatever your colours are, that's that was horrible. Um, it was a really dull one. Um, but yeah, the game itself is another loss, mate. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And they've lost another game. They, there was there was flashes in it where you thought they were, you know, they were going to get back into the game. They might have got something, but then they lose two two sloppy goals. Um, the the was it the Kearney goal? That that was a cracker. It was a really nice uh, team goal. But these are games where they kind of want to be getting something. Sheffield, even a point, and they're not doing that. They're not doing that at all. I mean, they're still on what one point, and I don't see it. I don't see an improvement anytime soon at all. I think they are in for a. A very very long season, and I don't think Hecken Bottom sees Christmas either. Yeah, I think he's one of the that could go, uh, and probably will. I know he done well with them last season, but at the end of the day, if they want a chance of survival, they ain't going to do it with Paul Hecken Bottom. Yeah, no, no, let's definitely agree with that. William was the star of the show for, for Fulham, and it's a good three points for them. Graham, you got the short tour, short trying to talk about this one, but Palace nil, Forest nil. Um, it was another banker. It was going to be a goalless draw because I think both sides have defensively have been very good this season. Um, but I think it's fair to say, Graham, that um, both sides will be will be safe. And I think just staying in the Premier League is is a success for, for both clubs. Utter shite. Games <laughs> like games like that would get football cancelled. I think the less said about it is the better. Um, shite. <laughs> Swiftly moving on. <laughs> well put, Graham. Well put. Uh, Jamie, last game of the weekend was um, Wolves beat Villa, and it was it finished one all. Um, Wolves extremely lucky to to, to to come away with a point here. Um, Villa absolutely battered them, but didn't take their opportunities. Went a goal down and then and then equalised a minute later. But but that's as good as it got. And, and actually, Wolves are unbeaten their last. Six against Villa now, and I'm sure that's a bit of a. Is that not a bit of a derby as well? Uh, a bit of a derby, yeah. I was surprised when I was looking at the stats, and I didn't realise that Villa hadn't beaten them in six games. And I, I think four of those games had all been one-one draws or, or nil-nil draws. So when you look at it, and you go, "Well, actually, I shouldn't have been surprised." I think majority of us probably went into that game expecting a Villa. Um, when to be fair, purely on the basis of how well Watkins did the week before, um, and the lad Diaby have been, um, but Villa have got these kind of got these kind of results in them. You know, Wolves 
I'm not going to say they've been struggling because they, you know, they beat Man City the week before and um, they, they they'd had good, you know, performances against teams. But I, f- I fancied Villa for a win in this one, so I was surprised when actually they did they didn't get the win. But when I look back at the stats and I realised that the last six have been draws, and I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't have been surprised. I really should have. Um, calling it Lamina red card. Um, the lads, the lads, a literal walking card. Every time he plays a game, he gets a book in this lad. Um, I think he was the same when he was at Southampton. Um, I think he's the same when he was at Juventus. He was the same when he was at Monaco. He's the same when he's at Wolves. Um, you know, it's for stupid, stupid stuff as well. Um, it just doesn't do them any favours. It really doesn't. Um, Wolves definitely need a striker, though. They, they, they're getting a bit of a song out of the lad Neto and is it Chan? Um, Huang, sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. But it's evident that they've, they're lacking a number nine. Um, I'm surprised they've not given more game time to the lad Kalatics. Um, I think he's got a bright future if he gets a run in games. But for some reason, you know, they're going down the, the, the speedy winger route, if you like. But you're more surprised Villa didn't win this one. But uh, again, looking at the stats, I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, definitely. And to finish it up then, gents, um, Johnny, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, Eden Hazard, 32, has uh, decided to, to call it a day. Um, not actually shocked um, the last the way the last few years have gone for him, but I think this was Jamie's question, so I don't want to steal it. But um, is he... Um, wait, let me get it up. Was it Jamie? All-time great? Or, or just a great player? Or just a great player? Somewhere in between the two, um, I think he's better under, than a under good fence. What an answer! Under fence. <laughs> no, I think I don't even want to say he's like a world beater because I don't think he reached the level that he should have, and I think that was down to attitude. Um, I don't think it was anything to do with ability at all. I think it was attitude. Uh, all reports about him, you know, he was a, a sloppy trainer, that kind of thing. I mean, most of the Chelsea team around that that period of time will tell you the same thing. Um, it's pretty much in the open forum, but come game day, he, he was just at times unplayable a lot of the time, especially go around about what 2014, 2013, and maybe a three year period. Nobody in that league could touch him. Um, and it wasn't just in the league, they done well in Europe, granted, never got to the Champions League, but in that time, they won the Europa League twice 352 appearances, 110 goals. Two Premier Leagues, FA Cup, League Cup, Europa League twice, Player of the Year four times, Players Player of the Year twice, PFA Player of the Year, Player of the Season, Football of the Year, scored or assisted on average every 99 minutes, created more chances than any other Premier League player to point. I think that has to get some, that has to get some uh, applause. So yeah, I think attitude let him down in the end, didn't get to the level he could have, but he's still got pretty damn high. Yeah, very, very well put, Johnny. I'm exactly with you there. I think somewhere in the middle would be fair, but it is frustrating. I thought he could have achieved so, so much more and he has you know, done so so well. Graham, what, what's your thoughts on, on Hazard? I mean, we could do, do with him even half it right now, couldn't we? He's a great player, but he's he's not an all-time great. I, I don't really I don't really agree with the middle middle of the two either. Listen, I, I think um I think in fifty years when we're talking about all-time greats, 
Eden Hazard doesn't get brought up unless you're sitting with a Chelsea or a Lille fan. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think at Chelsea will be seen as an all-time great. That's fine because he achieved a lot at the club. That's totally cool. We all have our club legends. He'll definitely be like that for Chelsea. I think for Lille, he'll be one of the best players that will have ever played for them. No question. But in terms of football, in terms, nah, he's not an all-time great. He's done well, achieved a lot, and it's a shame that kind of... I think Real Madrid... If he'd been successful and had four years of like absolute glory and and, and led them like he could have, uh, I think that's how you become an all-time great. Certainly, the, the probably the greatest club in the world, you know. Um, but no, no, he's he's not a, not one of the greats for me. Oh, fair, fair point. Um, definitely be you know be interesting to get a Real Madrid fan on him because I bet they don't have anything good to say. Uh, Jamie. What's your, to, to finish it up tonight, what's your thoughts on, on this? Definitely a fan of Eden Hazard and some of his play. Like some of his stuff, I think Johnny called it out that those two years, he was literally untouchable. Um, from from a standing start to the first five to ten yards with the ball at his feet, nine times out of ten he was gone before people realised what was happening. He always had that style of shot as well, that the quick nip into the bottom corner. And I remember he scored one against Liverpool in the Cup. Um, absolute donners. Um, you know, and he had that in him. I think my my favourite memory is um, kicking the ball boy um, on a wet night in Swansea. I think it was, um, and you know that lad's now that now that lad's now a millionaire, owns a a, a vodka company or something. Um, but he's, he's he's one of those very rare players that plays with that low centre of gravity. You know, where the ball sticks to your feet, and I, I put people like like Carlos Tevez, Luis Suarez, to that style of play. I'm not saying he's like those kind of players, but with the way he runs with the ball, the, you know, he juggles between three or four players and the ball's still at his feet. I think he was very good at doing those kind of things. But I think going back to the question, I don't think he's, I don't think he touches anybody's all-time Premier League 11, pro- probably no Premier League you know, squad, if I'm honest. And it's very rare. A player moves from a team like Chelsea into Spain, for example, and gets better. I think the only person I can think of is probably Ronaldo and Gareth Bale um, that, that springs to mind. I wouldn't put Hazard anywhere near them, but I think in a Chelsea shirt, he probably goes down as one of their top five players just from the trophies he's won. What's interesting is, you're right, by the way, those are the kind of names you probably mentioned in, like your Suarez, Tevez, like really good players, exciting players of a generation, but... Mm-hmm. Again, ones that spoke within their own clubs and their own fans all fondly, but as a whole, is great. It's just not going to get in that conversation unless we invite Lauren James onto the chat, who says he's better than Lionel Messi. <laughs> Wait, did you see that? I'd love to. I'd love to hear the. I'd love to hear the reasoning behind that because obviously he's the greatest of all time. So I, I don't think you'll find many people who agree with with Lauren James on that. I think see, if if you think of like Chelsea wingers, like I was a massive fan of Arjen Robin. I thought Arjen Robin was the bee's knees for me, but. Hazard was so different. Um, you know, we, he offered so much more with the ball and it probably bailed Chelsea out more times than you can remember. Um, you know, he'll probably, as, as Graham says, but without a Chelsea shirt on, I think he was just a good player in the Premier League. With a Chelsea shirt on, he's probably he in the top five players. Better than just a good player. You, yeah, you're talking about an all-time player in Premier League. If you base it around that time when he was at his peak, I think he is up there. And in the, in the Premier League, not in the world, not all time, in the Premier League bubble, he is absolutely up there. 
Powerful, yeah. strong. Very, very hard to get off the ball. Very, very difficult. But it's and a short period of time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'll give you that. Who performed for years upon years that the other greats yeah. when you're talking about some of the best ever that we've seen, you know, and 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 where mm-hmm. Hazard definitely could have been a, an actual great, absolutely no question. I'm not I'm not doubting that at all. And I think that's where he needed needed it to happen at Real Madrid. I think if that mm-hmm. went well then we, we would have been probably having a different conversation. But um yeah, for Chelsea he will be a, a great for them. He'll be a club legend, no question. But from a neutral point of view or from Premier League fans, I don't think his Jamie says he'd ever get into anyone's greatest eleven. I have a bias you, as well and I put my hands up to that. Johnny, you said there was a uh, there was obviously um in the public domain about the stories about him in the gym and I was listening to one earlier um this week and there was a story where I think it was Sam Matterface was talking about he went to interview and uh, he went and talked to he walked him around the, the training room and he took him into the gym and he, Olivia Giroud nearly fell off the weight bench and said, what are you doing in here? You've never been in here before. And he says, hmm. you know, it was just typical that he, he never did the, the training. He never took it seriously. He loved the, apparently he loved donuts. Um, but come game day, he was, well, <laughs> come game day, he was just, you know, it was it was natural raw ability, shall we say, um, in terms of the way I he played. That was it. And that's a disappointing part, as, as yeah. Mason said, because if he did apply himself better in that, in that sense, he probably would have had a bit more success at Real Madrid, because I don't think they would accept that kind of attitude, which is probably why he spent most of the time on the bench when he was fit. But yeah, I mean, I really, really enjoyed his another. I thought he was fantastic in his time. But I agree that he never got anywhere near the echelon that he could have been at. I think Mourinho said it, didn't it, quite early on. He said he's, he's the best player, you know, the, the, the just pure talent. But he just doesn't put the hard yards in. And he said he's the worst trainer. And I think mm-hmm. at the elite level, if you're not training like you're, you're playing, you're not gonna you're not gonna sustain it. And, and obviously retiring at 32, kind of. Says it all, but and it's not like he didn't have the offers. Apparently, Saudi Arabia came knocking. He had he had offers to go to America, and he turned them all back. So it's obviously a choice. It's not like he's just can't get over an injury. He's just decided, no, I don't need to really. If he loves them donuts, be interesting to see how big his is higher, isn't it? Um, uh, but Johnny, that's a good time to. Oh, thanks for coming on tonight, mate. Yeah, absolute pleasure as always, mate. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me back on. And thanks for Graham. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, cheers for having me, mate. And Jamie, international break now, so a little break for us, but uh, thanks for that. Just a little, little, uh, you know, qualify for the Euros underway, get that over and done with. Um, but um, yeah, I probably won't watch it unless Trent plays. If I'm honest, I just don't normally bother until we get to tournaments. Um, I don't take no great pleasure in watching England versus Australia. Um, that offers nothing to me at all. Um, I'm not even going to watch the women's football because I'm not even that desperate. So, uh, <laughs> but no, it's been great being a mum. Thank you very much for having me, Mason. Yeah, cheers. I mean, I'm enjoying this international break, but that's uh, that's life of a range. That's because you're that's because you're unpacking a house. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Um, but we'll be we back on uh, once the Premier League action is back to, to discuss, I'm sure, more uh, crazy talking points. But uh, as always, take care.